I want to talk to you today about what did I learn through the almost four years that I spent being a caregiver in a variety of ways to my mother during her cancer journey. Imagine how your life and business would look if both were aligned with your purpose. You would find clarity and confidence in decision making, set boundaries to keep you focused, and take intentional actions which move you closer to achieving personal and professional goals. Your host Amy Austin is a successful entrepreneur, coach, speaker, and brand strategist. With marketing and branding experience spanning over 20 years for service industries such as healthcare, software, and entertainment, Amy guides you and your business towards uncovering your purpose and the true foundation of your brand and brings it to life in marketing strategies that educate, engage, and empower. The Pursuit of Purpose explores how to put your unique purpose to work, building an authentic and successful service-driven brand. Each week, Amy will bring you practical advice to help you live your life and grow your business with purpose. November is National Family Caregiver Awareness Month. And I think this is an important topic for us to talk about because honestly, I did some research as I was thinking about what can I say about being a caregiver and running a business and the challenges that I faced in dealing with that. And so I was digging around, I was looking on the internet and I found nothing. My searches of being a caregiver and running a business came up with things of how to start a business being a caregiver. Or I came up with search results that were about being an employee and being a family caregiver, which, yes, those are important points as well, but it's different when it's your own business. And it's really different when you are the business when you are the only person working the business and when you are not working the business the business doesn't exist so i want to talk to you today about what did i learn through the almost four years that i spent being a caregiver in a variety of ways to my mother during her cancer journey just as a little bit of background, my mom was diagnosed with stage 3B lung cancer in August of 2014. Up until that point, she was very healthy. She was living on her own in her own home. She was 79, I guess, maybe when she was diagnosed. I'd have to do the math and figure that out. Anyway, she was living on her own. She was doing very well. And then we got this diagnosis. Going at the beginning of August of that year, I had no plans of suddenly having my mom living with me for the next three and a half, almost four months. You know, certainly I would have welcomed that and I did. But, you know, when you're running a business and you're taking on client work and you're thinking about what's coming next, that's not anything that you can forecast. I had no inclination that this would happen. So there was no way that I could plan for it and accommodate for it in my business planning. So, it meant that I needed to think on the fly. I need to, needed to adapt and figure out what did this mean and how was I going to balance not only getting my daughter to school every morning um, and getting her home every night after school, but how was I also going to run my business and get my mom to appointments and any of a, a number of things that you know just happen on a day-to-day -day basis because now you're putting this new, this new element into your day. And it ended up being a daily 
trip to the hospital because, you know, once they finally got my mom's treatment plan mapped out, it was Monday through Friday every morning at 10 a.m., a trip to the radiation oncology department for her to have a radiation treatment. And then on Wednesdays, it was all day because she had that same radiation treatment. And then she went to the infusion suite and she had chemotherapy in the afternoon. So it was Wednesdays was an all day affair at the hospital. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday was usually an hour, hour and a half, maybe all total. So it was tricky figuring out how to balance that and understanding what I needed to do with the clients that I had. And fortunate for me, the clients that I had at that time were very, very understanding and very accepting of the situation that I was now in. One of them had actually had cancer herself, so she really was able to empathize with what I was with what I was facing and what my mom was facing and how how I was going to deal with everything going forward and I knew that I could go I could talk to her and say you know did this happen for you or how can I help my mom with this and she was always a voice of reason for me and you know was very willing to work around the schedules that I had as I was thinking about what what are the key things that as an entrepreneur that I'd really want people to know about the experience, I came up with a list of six, six key things. And that's what I want to share with you today. Oh, excuse me. I'm looking at my list again. There's actually seven. So the first thing is you really can work anywhere. You know, it's, it's really popular to think that, you know, the transient entrepreneur you can take, have laptop can work anywhere. Well, I figured out that you can, and I did. I worked in the infusion suite when she was having chemotherapy. I would sit in the waiting area if she was napping. If I needed to do calls, I would sit out there. I would sit next to her in the infusion, in the infusion suite and write blogs or work on social media plans or reach out to prospective clients, whatever it was I needed to do. I worked at my parents' house. I worked in my old bedroom. Uh, when I was growing up, I had one client say to me one time, I was on a Zoom call with her so she could see me. And she's like, are you in a bedroom? And I'm like, yes, I am. I'm actually visiting my mom and we needed to do this work. And so the mo- the quietest place in the house right now happens to be my old bedroom. So you do what you needed to do. And I knew that this particular client would be okay with that. Some might not have been, but she was. I worked in hospital rooms. I worked in the ER one afternoon. You just do what you needed to do. If your work is largely done on a laptop with internet access, you can make it work. It wasn't always as efficient, but the work still got done because it had to. But the thing I found to be really important was just to be honest with my clients when I was in those situations. I may not have been able to have the same kind of conversations that I would have had with them if I'd been in my office, because I couldn't speak maybe as freely or for as long because of the environment that I was sitting in. But I still was able to do the regular touch base calls with them. I was still able to to work with them. And we just shifted our regular time so that if we did need to have a more in-depth conversation that we were doing it when I was in a place that it was appropriate to have that conversation. The second thing was 
Experience makes even the hardest news or situation easier to hear. I found that when we were having a great experience, and I'm not, I'm sure you're thinking to yourself, Amy, you're talking about a cancer experience. How can it be a great experience? But by experience, what I mean by this is we developed a trusting relationship with the providers that were taking care of my mom. We knew what they were doing to make her comfortable. They were listening to our questions and and our concerns. There was a number of little touches that make going to a cancer center an easier experience, such as, you know, we had valet parking and the valet staff knew us. They knew my car. They knew where we were going. They would help get her into the building if, you know, if she wasn't able to get into the building on her own and I needed to park my car because it was a day that we were going to be there longer and so I needed to do that. You know, they they would take those extra steps to be able to help her out. Just the idea of taking a few extra minutes to be able to find out how she is doing and how am I doing. All of these things kind of culminate into what the experience was. So when we had to have harder conversations about what was the next step, we had to have a conversation about palliative care. And that was not something that my mom was at the time was not interested in hearing about when we had it the first time. But because we had developed somewhat of that rapport, it was an easier conversation to have. And by the time we came back around to it the second time, it was a much easier conversation to have. So if you translate that kind of idea back into your business, are you creating an experience with your clients that makes them feel so appreciated, so trusted and respected that even when you have something that's not such great news to deliver to them, is it going to be easier for them to accept? I can tell you without a shadow of the doubt that my appreciation for experience was always there, but it is much deeper, much richer after having spent spent months in and out of clinic appointments and hospital appointments with my mom. And I worked in healthcare for 20 years and I understood the value of experience, but until you're sitting on that side and watching it and having it impact you directly, it's impossible to understand it completely. So create that experience. Understand what the experience can do to make delivering even the most difficult news that much easier for the person that you're delivering it to to receive. The third one is be your own advocate. And what do I mean by that? When you are caring for a loved one, you need to be an advocate for them. You need to listen to what their providers are saying, interpret what that means, watch the nonverbal cues your parent is giving you, and translate what they don't understand. And you also need to recognize what your parent doesn't want to share, but you know that it needs to share, so you need to just share it anyway. You need to push for what you need. You need to accept what needs to be accepted. You need to know what matters to your parent or loved one and know when to push for that and know when to push back. There's a lot of give and take in being an advocate. I don't necessarily think that being an advocate means that you're just always, always, always pushing pushing forward and not listening. You need to listen and listen for what you need to understand and ask questions when you don't understand it. 
or when your loved one doesn't understand it. I can remember a time sitting in an appointment with my mom and and being able to watch her and see that she didn't understand what the physician was just saying to her. So I played it back to her in terms that I thought she would understand, all the while looking at the physician to make sure that he was agreeing with what I was saying and then taking it a step further because I knew that one of the things that she needed to share with him related to that topic was something she didn't necessarily want to share, which just really came down to she wasn't drinking enough water. Did she get mad at me for saying that? Yes, she scolded me to say, now you're not supposed to be telling on me, Amy. But I had to do that. I needed to advocate for her. And sometimes advocating for her meant that I had to tell things that she didn't necessarily want shared. But it helped her get better care. For my business, what has what did that teach me? Since I'm trying to bring this back to also how did this impact my business? I think the way that it's impacted my business is that I have learned to be a better advocate for myself and a better advocate for my clients than what I was able to do before. I know that there is a confidence in me now when I have to have tough conversations with a client or a business partner that I never had before. I have broached subjects of when considering partnering with another business when they were asking me to sacrifice my brand for the good of theirs. And I told them I couldn't do that. I have to look out for the good of my brand and the good of my business. Nobody else is going to do that for you. I think my skill in being able to do that comes from having spent so much time focused on being an advocate for my mother and her care and understanding what was going on that now I translate that back into the work that I, that I do. Number four is accept help when it is offered. And if it isn't offered, ask for it. It is hard to be, to balance being a caregiver, having your own family and running a business. I can't say that I did this well, but I didn't fail either. I made sure that my daughter's teachers knew that her grandmother was living with us and having cancer treatments. I worked with my business schedule around school drop-offs, doctors, chemo, radiation appointments, and I did conference calls with my clients during my mom's nap times or her favorite soap opera, though I will admit this did become an opportunity for us to bond because I started watching that soap opera again. I'm not watching it anymore, although it was harder to step away from it after my mom passed because it felt like a connection to her. But I had to ask for help from friends. Every week on the days of her chemo appointments, they were long days, so I knew I couldn't pick my daughter up. It wasn't feasible for my husband to be able to come home every afternoon to be able to do that either. So I relied very heavily on, on one family in our neighborhood once a week for you know all of September, October, and part of November to get my daughter home. She stayed with them then for a couple of hours until my husband got home, but I needed to ask for that help. And... None of us want to ask for help. And that's true in our business too. We don't necessarily want to ask for help, but sometimes we have to. And when we recognize that we need to do it, we need to do it. I also learned that when I was asked how someone could help, I needed to just tell them what I needed. So now when I offer to help, I'm more specific. I tell them what I'm thinking 
or what I'm willing to do to help. And if they need it, they will take it. But don't put the burden on the caregiver to know what sort of help they need. Think about it. When you ask somebody, how can I help? Most of the time the response back is, oh, I don't, I don't think I need anything or I can't think of anything right now. That's putting another layer of stress onto an already very stressful time for them. So be specific. If you want to make them a meal, say, I'd like to bring you over supper on Tuesday night. Does that work for you? And if they say, you know, Tuesday's not really great, then say, how about Monday? Or, you know, give them another option of a different day of the week. And then say, I was thinking a lasagna or maybe some soup. Which one would be better for you? And do you have any dietary needs that I need to be aware of? Funnel it down to something very specific that they can respond to. Because if you open it too wide up for them, it's, it's just too difficult to come up with an idea on the fly. And then what ends up happening is they don't accept the help. I did that. In retrospect, I wish I would have been a little bit more proactive and just said, yes, I need help. What can you do for me? Or yes, a meal on this day would be fabulous. And another thing about when you when you talk to somebody who is in a caregiving situation, ask how things are going today rather than just generally how are they? Because they're not going to say that they're okay. However, they might say that today is a good day. Yesterday was really a rough day, but today is a lot better. Again, it's about being very specific and not being too broad in the scope of which you're asking the question. The fifth idea that I came up with when I was reflecting on my time as a caregiver is that every opportunity put in front of you is an opportunity for learning. This is similar to being your own advocate. Ask questions. Ask a lot of questions. Ask so many questions that you think that you're driving the people crazy by asking all the questions because I guarantee you you're going to learn something that you didn't know and it's going to be valuable. Learn why something needs to be done the way that it is being presented and ask if there are alternatives to make it work better for you or for your, your family member. Pay attention so that the next time you encounter a similar situation, you can respond in a way that is better for you or the person that you're caring for and your family. Again, this is a business learning as well. We are all about professional development. That's what most of you are listening to this podcast for, is for professional development and opportunities to be able to learn how to do something different or to learn something more about your branding and your marketing. Well, guess what? It's a learning opportunity. So if you pay attention to those opportunities when you are, just pay attention and think about how can I apply this to the next time that I'm in this situation? What did I learn from this? And where am I going to encounter another situation similar to this? Number six is be transparent. If you're running a business, be transparent with your clients about what's going on. I mean, be careful not to overshare, obviously, but enough so that they understand why it might be harder to reach you or why you might need a couple of extra days for a deadline. Be transparent with your family members. If you're caring for a loved one and you have siblings, make sure that they understand what's going on. Make sure they understand when you need help. After every appointment that my mom had, I sent a detailed email out to my siblings who weren't here explaining what was going on, what the next steps were, how mom was feeling, what the doctor had said about this treatment or that treatment or, 
you know, whatever it was, I made sure that they knew what was going on and that they were involved as much as what they could be in the decision-making process that was happening without them being here with us. Was it challenging? Absolutely. Was it necessary? Absolutely. And I think being transparent in our business is really important too because taking care of a family member and working through that, you have to let them know what's going on. If you're not honest and upfront with them, you're doing your customers a disservice. You're eroding that experience that you want them to have with you. In turn, what's going to end up happening is your reputation is going to start going down and they're not going to refer somebody to you. It just starts a spiral that you don't want to have happening. But yet, you need to be doing what it is you're doing and that's taking care of your family member. The seventh thing is grief. And that is a really hard one to deal with, but certainly what I wasn't prepared for was the second level of grief that I felt after my mom passed away. And that was the loss of responsibility of caring for her. Not only was she not there anymore, but I also didn't have to be wondering about, did she have an appointment today? Did she take all of her medication? What order did she take her medication in? Do we need to go to the doctor for this? I wasn't communicating with that team of people anymore. When she was gone, it all stopped. And I wasn't prepared for that to be a loss as well. I hadn't taken into account the significant part of my day that that routine had filled, both in terms of actual time and emotional effort. So when that was gone, it was another layer of loss that I was not prepared for. And I think the same thing happens, obviously, on a much different level when you've worked with a client for a long period of time and then you're done working with them. You now need to fill your days differently. You, you know, that if you had a standard call time with them, now that time is open on your schedule instead of being filled. So there's a little bit of that that happens in business as well. So there are so many other things to be aware of as you navigate being a caregiver while trying to run a business. How do you come back to work full time? How do you cope with that secondary loss of time? Will it bring up feelings of worthiness or am I too far behind? If you're in an industry where things change quickly, have you lost track of what the current trends are? Are you essentially two years behind everybody or three years or however long it was that you spent time away from being in your business on a full-time basis? Is my network still intact? Are my relationships solid? Finding the new balance to your day. You know, I like to tell people that I've been in business for seven years, but in those seven years, I've started and stopped my business three or four times. Each of those times was because of a time when my mom was with me. You know, the first time was for three and a half months. The times after that would be maybe for a a couple of weeks, but it still was a significant, you know, it was a hiccup in, in how my business was running. And then, of course, the last time was for six or seven weeks. And that was when she passed. And so each time I learned something more about myself, 
more about what was important to me and how I did business and about my expectations of how the businesses, in this case, how healthcare interacts with their clients or with their patients and with their families and what I deem as being acceptable or not. And each time I learned more about who I am as an individual and how my why comes to life through the work that I do. And that's tremendously valuable. As I mentioned before, when I was trying to do research on this, there's nothing out there that I could find anyway about being a business owner who has to take time away from their business to take care of a loved one and what to expect, what to, you know, how do you forecast what's going to happen? I don't, it is not there. I did find, however, a podcast conversation with Tara McMullen, who was a previous guest on my show, on her podcast, the What Works podcast, and it's episode 230. And she interviews Jody Brandon about this topic as part of the Candid Confidence Project. And this was aired back in August. Jody is a, a book writing coach and an editor. And for two years, she stepped away from her business completely to take care of her mother after she was diagnosed with, I believe it was a brain tumor. And they talk about how challenging it was for her to go back to work and be confident in her ability to do her job. She did question whether or not she was worthy to come back into it. There was feelings of being an imposter. Like, how can I come back into this? Am I really good enough? Have I lost, have I lost so much time that I am not able to come back into this job? And I think that's something that we all probably face when it comes time to, or when, it, when we're faced with this type of a situation. But I will tell you this, would I change any time in those years that I took care of my mother? No. To close out this episode, I wanted to share 10 facts caregivers should know from a senior living blog that I found. And these are really more directed towards things that you should know in terms of taking care of yourself. And I think they're worth noting. First, caregiving is costly. Nearly half of working caregivers report that caregiving expenses have depleted most or even all of their savings. Number two, help is available. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And that help might come in the form of outside resources, home health aides, senior living facilities, those types of things. But know that it is available. Knowledge can make your job easier. 73% of caregivers said that praying helps them to cope with stress, and 44% said that reading books about caregiving and visiting supportive websites help them not only to manage their daily frustration, but also gives them a sense of community. Seek out online support groups, too. Find ones that are relevant to the type of diagnosis that your loved one has, and they will be able to help you understand what's going on and how things might be going or what to expect. I found that to be tremendously beneficial for myself and to understand what was going on with my mom's diagnosis. Number four, you are America's number one long-term care provider. Family caregivers provide a staggering 90% of long-term care in America. Number five, you are not alone. More than 65 million Americans care for their aging or disabled loved ones on a yearly basis. 
Number six, take a break. Respite care is great for short-term care. Ask other family members to help out. Adult daycare, there's a lot of opportunities out there, but just make sure that you take some time to give yourself what you need as well because when you are in a better place, you're in a, a better spot to be able to care for the, for the person that you're taking care of. Number seven, know that you have limits. Each of us does, and it's important to recognize when you've hit that limit and when you need to make a change in what's going on or how you're caring for your loved one. Number eight, you do have someone to talk to. Support groups can be a tremendous benefit. Friends, family members, members of your faith community, any of your network can be there, but also reach out to different nonprofit groups that are affiliated with the diagnosis that your loved one has. Number nine, you have to take care of yourself first. If you're not keeping yourself happy and healthy, it's doubtful that you will be able to do your best for your parent or your loved one. And number 10, remember that the work that you're doing is valuable. It's valuable to your loved one. It's valuable to your extended family. And ultimately, it's going to be valuable to you. So I'd like to ask a favor. If you have been in a situation similar to what we've been talking about, where you're trying to run a business or you're trying to stay afloat in your career, and you have been in the position of also being a caregiver, I'd love to hear from you. I have a desire to put together something that could be a resource for others of us who have been in that situation since there was such a difficult time for me to find anything. If I couldn't find it, chances are other people are are not able to find it and they're probably looking too. So I'd like to put something together. I don't know what format it will take at this point. It might be a blog. It might be another podcast. It might be an interview with a few people or a combination, or maybe even an ebook. I'm not sure yet. But I would love to hear from you, whether it's just posting a comment on my Facebook page and saying, you know, hey, in response to this, this is the thing that I wish that I would have known as I went into trying to balance my work and being a caregiver. Or drop me an email at amy at amyaustinmarketing.com or respond on the show notes page. But reach out to me and let me know if you have any ideas on this front. I'll link to this article that I just took these 10 ideas from um, in the show notes so you can take a look at it. I read a lot of it verbatim, so you already know what it says, but certainly take a look at it. There's a lot of links in here about resources, books on caregiving, other supportive websites. So it could be very valuable for somebody if you need it. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. For show notes, links, and more, go to www.amyaustinmarketing.com. You can subscribe to the show and leave a rating review on iTunes and Stitcher. Thanks for listening. 